Welcome to our messages online. We hope that you are experiencing the fullness of God's joy this season. Today, Pastor Scott takes us into Luke chapter 2. Good morning, church family. It's good to see you today. We're going to continue in our season of grace. I hope you have your Bibles with you. Please turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going to be on page 857 if you want to use that Bible sitting in front of you. And we have been considering the grace of God now since the beginning of November, and we're going to continue today to consider the gracious God, the grace of God, that He would bend down, that He would stoop down, that He would show favor in our lives. And oh, how we needed this. We were spiritually dead. There was nothing in us that could save ourselves. And so he had to be gracious to come down and show favor, to be rich in mercy, to make us alive with Christ. After he has done that, after we have trusted Jesus, he then equips us with this grace. And so this story we've been looking at is that God extends grace. And we receive it. And I, I go ahead and have, have your hands open this morning, if you would, like you're ready to receive more of God's grace because he wants to pour out more grace into your life today. And so he says, I'm going to extend it. Are you ready to receive it? Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to have opportunities again this next week to extend it to others. And so he says, you keep receiving from me because I want you in turn to extend my grace to others. And so we will... Look at this again today, this grace of God. And the grace of God is intended to produce joy in each of us. This is one of the values of this grace. He says, I want to pour this into you so that it would produce joy in you, that you would joyfully extend my grace. And so one of the things Jesus said was that your joy would be full. In John chapter 15, we see this, and you see this in your notes. Jesus, on his way to the cross, says, this is my prayer for you. This is my mission. This is why I came, that your joy would be full. Not that you just have temporary happiness at times, but that you would have deep joy and that it would be full always. And so this is why Jesus came. And as we consider joy and the potential joy robbers in life, I've reluctantly entitled this message today, What Could Possibly Go Wrong? I titled it that, and I knew that I'd be talking about what could possibly go wrong, and and I was like, oh man, that, that could be scary. You know, I'm, I'm like, okay, the screen still works, the heat and the electricity still work. What could possibly grow wrong? And when you plan a message title for something like this, you just better be ready for something to go wrong, right? And sure enough, two, Monday night, I started thinking, hmm, got a little sore throat. I wonder what this could be. And Tuesday afternoon, I'm like, oh, this is a full blown cold, a head cold. And and Wednesday, I was in bed, and I'm like, of course, this is what I'm talking about this Sunday. But thanks to God and uh, Dayquil and Nyquil, I'm here. <laughs> but it's difficult to experience joy, the fullness of joy, when you're concerned with what could possibly go wrong. Are you with me on this? When you consider the things that could go wrong in your life, it's difficult, maybe impossible, to experience joy when you're concerned with what could possibly go wrong in my life. And there's so much that could go wrong. 
There's so much that could go wrong. In fact, we'd be justified to continually be in a state of anxiety. It, we would be justified to be in a state of complete freaking out because of the potential of what could possibly go wrong just around every corner around life. But Jesus does not want you to live that way. He does not want you to live in a state of continual anxiety and panic. He does not want you to live that way. Jesus, his desire is that you would have joy and that you'd have it to the full. Especially in a season when we celebrate the, his birth. It's ironic, we put so much into this season and we decorate and we have all these events and, and it. It's about Jesus, and the one who wants to give us full joy, and we freak ourselves out going crazy. And So what could possibly go wrong? I found this picture this week, and I thought, what could possibly go wrong here? <laughs> you know, you Google some things, what could possibly go wrong? I saw that one, and I was laughing. I mean, I had snot bubbles coming out, you know. And it was just, that was, that was way too funny. And I'm like, what could possibly go wrong with the way we're doing the things the way we're doing? And I want to talk about that today. I want to ask you a couple questions. How do you experience joy while living in this difficult life? How do you experience joy when there is so much that could possibly go wrong? We've talked about this for the last few weeks, that joy is the gigantic secret of the Christian. This is our, this is our enormous secret, and it's not a secret to be kept to ourselves. It's a secret to be shared, but because we have Jesus, because we have trusted in him and we've received the Spirit of God, this is our gigantic secret that God is producing us joy, even though we live in a world where everything potentially could go wrong. We have this secret, this, this joy that God is producing in us, the fullness of Jesus' joy. He says, I want you to have this joy. We've defined joy as this. Write this down if you would. The joy is the good feeling in the soul. It is. This is why we smile and laugh and have great contentment at times. It's a good feeling in the soul produced by God's Spirit. This is why it's the secret of the Christian. It's not something you can muster up. It's not something you can go and buy on Amazon. This comes from God and it's based on the reality of God's rule and reign. It's the third week I've told you this definition, so hopefully you're starting to get it, that it's based on the reality of God's rule and reign. It's not based on the appearance of how your football team is doing. It's not based on the appearance of your health or your looks, but it's based on the reality of God's rule and his reign. He's on his eternal throne. He's in control. I can have joy. I can have contentment. And God's producing that in us. So different from happiness. Happiness comes for moments. Happiness leaves when things go bad. But the creator is the only one who brings this lasting joy. And so this is why you are called to entrust your life to Jesus. If you have not done this, you need to do this today. Entrust your life to Jesus. Continue to entrust your life to the one who can produce joy. The only one who can produce this joy. Entrust your life to him. 
So we've talked about some of the plots and the ploys that would steal our joy. There's an enemy, our mortal enemy, and he wants to steal and kill and destroy everything good in you. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life. I've come to give you life when there's pressure times. We've talked about that. I've come to give you life when you're surrounded by people that annoy you to death. And I've come to give you full life, especially in these possibilities when so much could go wrong. Jesus says, I've come to give you life. I know so much could go wrong, but I've come to give you life. And today, let's consider one of these joy stealers, the possibilities of life. And so we're going to look again at the Christmas story for a bit, Luke chapter 2. And as we read these words, they may be very familiar to some of you. I want you to ask yourself this question, what might Mary and Joseph be thinking as we read just a few verses today? As we read a little of the story, I'd like you to think, what were Mary and Joseph thinking? Especially in light of this question, what could possibly go wrong? Luke chapter 2, follow along if you would. Luke chapter 2 at the beginning, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, that all the world should be registered. It's the Roman empire. He wants to count how many people are in his world. He wants to figure this out. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Luke writes this and says, I just want to share some details here, some historical perspective. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea, that's a land, about 70 miles away. So Joseph says, okay, I've got to go take a 70-mile journey to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was in the house and the lineage of the great King David. This is why it's called the city of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. We might use the word engaged, but a legal arrangement has been made. Mary, who was with child. Now here's what I'd like you to do. I'd just like you to consider what might Mary and Joseph be thinking especially with the idea of what could possibly go wrong. We just need to take a 70-mile journey. They're not going to get into their vehicle with, uh, you know, heated seats. They're, they're most likely, he might be walking, she might be riding on the back of an animal, and she's with child. She's pregnant. 70 miles. Imagine, what could possibly go wrong with this? 70 miles, just... Let's just go down 70 miles down I-5 on an animal. No woman wants this. Mary's got to be thinking, "What? oh man, so many things could possibly go wrong. No reservation of a place to stay. They haven't gone on Travelocity and said, okay, we're going to get this place and it's a three star. And No reservations. We're just going and... We're hoping it works. What could possibly go wrong with that plan? No health insurance? How's this all going to take place? What could possibly go wrong? Keep reading verse 6. While they were there, they made it to Bethlehem. The time came for her to give birth. Again, I just want you to start asking, what could possibly go wrong here? This is her first child. She's never experienced this before. She's maybe somewhere between 13 and 15. What could possibly go wrong? 
By the way, there's no other family with them. She can't cry on mom's shoulders or anything like that. No appointment with a doctor or a midwife. What could possibly go wrong? I just put myself in that story this week and went, wow. Mary and Joseph, what are they thinking? Verse 7, she gave birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, a feeding trough, because there was no place for them in the inn. I look at that story and think, Mary, what a trooper. (laughs) What a trooper. I'm just guessing that there were some anxious moments from the time they left Nazareth and took that road down there in this last maybe month of her pregnancy. I'm just guessing that there were some anxious moments. Would you agree with me? You're thinking, oh man, I I thought it, it was difficult, you know, when I was trying to have my baby here at Albany General. And this is difficult. Anxiety probably was greatly looming for Mary and Joseph. I want to talk briefly about this, the causes of anxiety. I want to give you three <clears throat> real quickly to consider because I think these three causes of anxiety could potentially rob your joy. As I write down these things, I, I, I want you to consider these are the things that are, the enemy would want to use to potentially, if he could, completely steal your joy. So 100 people survey, top three answers on the board. First one is this, family, family. Family is a cause of anxiety. Can I get an amen to that? What's going to happen to my family, you might be asking. I mean, I want the best for me. I want the best for my family. That's not a bad thought to have. But let's just acknowledge this could become an idol. That I want the best for me and I want the best for my family so much that I make it my life's obsession. I want this so much. And whenever there is a problem with my family, then there is a cause for anxiety. When something could possibly go wrong with my family, if my hope is in family, oh, anxiety, man, it's, it's there. When a loved one doesn't respond to Jesus like I would hope, Anxiety. When a loved one is struggling in any way. Anxiety. When we have a Christmas party with a dysfunctional family. What do we have? Anxiety. And it's difficult to have joy in those moments. Right? When when the family becomes the most important part of your life, it's difficult to have joy there. Let me give you another one, and that is finances. What's going to happen to my finances? I mean, I want to be secure. I want to be taken care of. That's not a bad thought. You should be responsible. But let's be honest. This can be an idol. I want so much security. I want to make so much security for myself. I want to be ready for every bad thing that could possibly happen, that it could become an idol for us. And when something might go wrong, when there's a possibility of trouble, anxiety. When you don't seem to have enough money, what what do we feel? Anxiety. You can start answering for me before I even get there if you want. When there's an unexpected cost that came up, what, what happens? Yeah. When the future is uncertain, we have 
And, and this is difficult to have joy when we have some of these financial struggles. Let me give you one more thought, and that would be our health. Our health. What's going to happen to my health? I mean, I want to be free from pain. I want to live a long life. Those aren't bad thoughts. You should take care of your body. Okay, God has given you this body to use for his glory. You should take care of it. You should desire the best for that. But let's be honest, sometimes this becomes an idol. And we just want to look better than we really want to look. Because we want to look good for someone else maybe. We, we want to live longer maybe j just so that we can feel good about us. It can become an idol. And when something might go wrong with the body, when there's the possibility of trouble, what, what happens? Anxiety. When you get sick and the doctor says it's bad, what do you feel? When our loved ones are not doing well, what do we feel? When the future is uncertain, we feel it's difficult to have joy in those times, amen? Difficult. What could possibly go wrong with my family? What could possibly go wrong with my finances? What could possibly go wrong with my health? I'm thinking Mary and Joseph were struggling with some of those questions. I know that you and I do too, and especially this time of year. And Jesus says, though, I have come to give you joy and that you would have it to the full. So now here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Go to the right a little bit. Page 981 if you want to follow along in this Bible. Philippians chapter 3, because I want to talk about the mindset for joy. I've mentioned some things that would cause anxiety, and now you're starting to think about those, and you're going, oh, my family, oh, my finances, oh, my health. Okay, let's have the mindset of joy as we look at Philippians chapter 3 then. A letter specifically written to Christians in a city of Philippi, written by a guy named the by a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's writing from jail. He's been in prison for speaking about Jesus. Let's consider the mindset for joy, especially in light of finances and family and health. Verse 17, pick up <clears throat> this letter in chapter 3, verse 17, if you would. Paul says this, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Underline that if you would. Minds set on earthly things. That's not a good thing. Verse 20. Oh, I love that word. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So let's talk about this mindset of joy. And it's based on the Lord Jesus. You've got to know this first, that this mindset for joy, if you want a joyful mindset, it has to be based on the Lord Jesus. It has to be based on Master Jesus, Captain Jesus, the Lord Jesus. 
Now, you and I tend to obsess about our families. But guess what? Jesus, he's got that. Amen? You and I, we tend to obsess over our finances. But Jesus, guess what? He's got that too. And you and I, we tend to obsess over our health and what could possibly go wrong. And Jesus, guess what? He's got that too. And when your mindset is based on Jesus, you will have the mindset for joy. Go back to verse 20 if you would. But our citizenship, Paul says, is in heaven and from it we await a savior. Repeat after me. He's coming. The Lord Jesus Christ, verse 21, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So the mindset for joy is based on the Lord Jesus. And the knowledge, as we look at verse 20 again, that we are far from home. Would you write this down? Paul says, if you want the mindset of joy, it's based on the Lord Jesus and the knowledge that we're far from home. Oh, there's a promised land, and it's not here. There's a promised land, and it's not your living room. There's a promised land, and it's not your second vacation home. It's, there's a promised land, and it's not where you're going to go this summer. There's a promised land. It's not here. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. And how we live as ones who are far from home will usually dictate how we handle the possibility of problems. Think about this, if you would. If our mindset is based on the Lord Jesus Christ, if it's based on his victory, if it's based on his mission, if it's based on his purposes, if it's based on his return, if it's based on his eternal kingdom, then joy is going to be produced in us by the Spirit of God. But when our Mindset is based on our, our, our kingdoms, our temporary kingdoms, and anxiety pops in. It's like I'm so caught up in building this kingdom called my family, and I want it to look so good so that other people will think that I look good, and, and I want my kids to be perfect, and I want my grandkids to be perfect, and I want all this. If you're too focused and obsessed on that temporary kingdom, all you'll experience is anxiety. Yes, invest in your family. But if that's the kingdom that you're most obsessed about, you won't experience joy. You'll just experience anxiety. Same with your finances. If you're saying, oh, I can't wait to, you know, my bank account and my retirement account and this investment and this investment. Yes, be good stewards of the wealth that you have. Earn a lot, give a lot, prepare for an eternity. But if your kingdom is your temporary one, all you're going to face is anxiety. The mindset of joy realizes I'm far from home. This isn't my home. Even this body, I'm going to take the best care of it as I possibly can. I'll take great care of it. But I know this, I'm far from home. This is just a temporary tent. I'm going to have a glorious body that will live with the Lord forever and ever and ever. Amen. And when I focus and obsess on this tent, all I get is anxiety. Go back to verse 19. He says, 
the people who focus on their temporary kingdoms. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. I'm just going to ask you today, where is your mind set on? Is it based on Jesus, focused on Jesus, or on earthly things? Maybe it's family, finances, or health. Ask yourself these questions. Who or what is your God? Okay, most of us that would show up 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning, I mean, you're the best of the best that you'd show up for the early service, right? You say, of course, uh, who is my God? Is Jesus Christ. But let me just ask you this. Is your God by chance your belly or your flesh or really what you want? Because if your God is your belly, your flesh, whenever your family, your finance, or your health is in possible danger... Anxiety will strangle you. No joy. Let me ask you another question. Who or what is your glory? What do you glory in? What do you take such great pride in? What do you say, that's what life's all about? Because if it's your little kingdom, then any attack on your family or your finances or your health will cause great anxiety and whoop, joy will go out the back door. Or let me ask you this question, who or what is your mind set on? And again, if it's your little temporary kingdom, if it's this world that you're building, any attack on your family, your finances, and your health will bring about great anxiety and joy will whoop. Go ahead and do that. It's kind of fun. Whoop. Joy will go out the back door. Jesus says, I've come to give you full joy, so you have to have your mind set on me. Not on your temporary kingdoms. We as Christ followers are far from home. Go back to verse 20 and again, one more time. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior. Repeat after me. He's coming. The Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is the mind set that all of life is based on Jesus Christ, based on his victory, based on his mission, based on his purposes, based on his return, based on his eternal kingdom. He's coming. Repeat after me. He's coming. Now go to chapter 4. i got to read a couple verses from chapter 4. This is just too good. Chapter 4, therefore, Paul says, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, you're my joy and my crown. Now stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. If you're an underliner, write those words down. Stand firm in the Lord. Not just stand firm because you're tough, but you stand firm in the Lord. Life is difficult. Paul's writing this as one who's imprisoned for Jesus. He goes on to say this, by the way, because he's writing this to a church, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. I want you two ladies to get to get along. I, I know this from your church that you two ladies have been fighting. It's not good. I want you to agree in the Lord. Not just agree on your de- own decisions, but based on God's rule and reign. I want you to agree. Stop fighting with each other. Yes, I also 
ask you, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. He's saying, I know life is difficult. I know it is. Sometimes we fight with each other and we hurt each other, but agree in the Lord. Then he says this in verse 4. Underline this. Rejoice in the Lord. He didn't say rejoice that your family's the perfect little family that you wanted. Rejoice that your finances are finally set forever. Rejoice that you're in such great health and it's always going to be this way. He says, no, I want you to rejoice in the Lord and do it how often? Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. He says, I'm going to have to say this again because maybe you didn't catch it the first time, but rejoice. Be full of joy in the Lord. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. He says this, when our mindset's based on Jesus, then we can stand firm and not worry. We can stand firm. My, my mindset is based on Jesus. I can stand firm. When my mindset's based on Jesus, I, I can get along in the Lord. We can, we can put aside our differences and get along. Jesus is bigger than all of this. And he says, when my... <clears throat> When my mind is set on Jesus, I can rejoice in the Lord. Oh, my family right now, ugh, difficult to rejoice in that situation, but I can rejoice in the Lord. My joy is based on him. My finances, oh, they stink right now. I did not expect that problem going on, but you know what? I don't rejoice in that. I rejoice in the Lord, his rule, his reign. He's got this. My health, my health is not good right now. I could complain like crazy, but no, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. It's based, my joy is based on his rule, his reign. He's got all of this. Amen? Amen. So verse 6, he says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Uh, so much could go wrong, right? And maybe it is going wrong. You're like, oh, you don't know, Scott. So much could be going on wrong. Life is difficult. But you and I must choose to set our minds on Jesus. I'm far from home. I'm far from home. My citizenship is in heaven. I eagerly await a savior from there. He rules. He reigns. Not me. My joy is not based on how other things are. Who's ruling that? He rules. He wants me to experience fullness of joy. So, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, you won't even be able to figure this out, but the peace of God, it will guard your hearts, it will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, I, I know. If you want to focus on what could possibly go wrong, you're just going to live an anxiety-filled life. It will be miserable. But if you would let your mind be set on Jesus and his rule and reign, he'll produce joy in you. He's got this. He does. So do not be anxious. Pray. He says, pray. Talk to God about this. 
Some of you, I, I know because I hear this a lot, I don't know how to pray. I'm not real good at prayer. It's just jumping into God's lap. Jumping into dad's lap. Now, some of you didn't have a good dad. I get this, but this is a perfect dad. This is a perfect father that you could just jump into his lap. I got three kids. Some of my best memories were when they just jump into my lap. Sometimes even when they were crying. It wasn't a good moment for them, but it was great for me. I'm like, ah, they know they need me. And they're just jumping in my lap, complaining and crying, angry at times. Paul says, don't be anxious. Pray. Just jump in dad's lap. He's a perfect father. Just jump in his lap. Goes on to say the word thanksgiving there. You see the word thanksgiving? The word thanksgiving literally would mean to return the grace back to God. He's been gracious to you. It's just to return the grace back. Or as he's been showing you favor, to return the favor. You're just jumping in his lap and saying, Dad, you've been so good to me. I just want to tell you about it. It's amazing how anxiety goes out the window when you sit there and talk with God and just make a list of all the things you're grateful for. You've been so, so good to me. So good to me. I kind of want to focus on my family or my finances or my health, but I'm just, I'm just going to focus on how you've been gracious to me. You saved me from my sins. I deserved eternal separation from you. I've experienced a lot of difficulties, but I'm choosing to give thanks. I'm choosing to return the grace. I'm choosing to return the favor. And then Paul says this. Let me read a couple more verses. Follow along. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Stop obsessing over the things that, that's just creating anxiety. I think of Mary and Joseph, and we'll talk about this next week. We'll talk about it Christmas Eve as well. They reflected on the goodness of God. They were thinking on the, yeah, they had some anxious moments. But they said, we're going to think of the good things. Verse 9, and what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Practice these things. Practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. <clears throat> this week, I think you and I are going to get the opportunity to practice these things. You're going to have the opportunity to obsess over some of these things that might cause anxiety. Or you're going to have the opportunity to practice these things and set your mind on Jesus. You're going to have the opportunity to jump in dad's lap and pray. And jump in dad's lap and give thanks. You're going to have the opportunity to practice these things. Oh, so much could go wrong this week. 
And if I think of all the things that could go wrong with the 600 plus people that call this church home, I could be freaked out. But I'm not going to think about the things that could go wrong. I'm going to think about the, the joy of the Lord. This is where I will choose to focus. So finish this by writing this down with me, that joy is grace produced in me as I choose not to be anxious. Oh, don't, don't choose anxiety. Don't choose focusing on these things that would bring these anxious thoughts. It's a choice you have to make. But joy is grace produced in me, not when I choose to be anxious, but when I choose to draw near to God. When I choose to draw near to God. When I choose to turn off the TV. When I choose to slow down. When I choose to jump in his lap. And say, oh God, so much could go wrong. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything. By prayer. Supplication with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for these quiet moments this morning to slow down, to examine our hearts, To consider ways that we, we obsess about the things of earth. The things of our little temporary kingdoms. You called us to pay attention to these things but not obsess about these things. Not worship these things. And so would you help us to set our minds on you. I pray that for me. I pray that for my brothers and sisters. That you would help us to trust you. That everything that we are going through, that we would not be anxious, but that we would talk to you, that we would draw near to you, that we would cry to you, that we'd give thanks to you. So God, I ask this week in a busy season, with so much that could possibly go wrong, that you would help us to set our minds on you. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await our Savior from there. And I ask that you draw your children this morning to yourself. I ask that you would help people, maybe even for the very first time today, to say, Jesus, you're the one I'm going to follow today and for the rest of my life. you will start to produce your eternal joy that you promised. And so I thank you for this time. I thank you for your goodness in our life. I ask your blessing on us this week that we would choose not to be anxious, but we'd choose to draw near to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for taking some time to look into God's Word with us today. We hope that the next time that you feel anxious about anything, that you would cast your cares on the Lord because He cares for you. 
Join us again next week as we continue our series.